Welcome to the Location Technology Podcast from Kuppa, bringing you everything you need to know about all things location. Find out more at kuppa.com forward slash podcast. So welcome everybody to another episode of the Location Technology Podcast, um, where today we're going to be talking a little bit about um, Industry 4.0. I'm joined here today by Fabio Belloni, our Chief Growth Officer. Welcome, Fabio. Hey, yes, sir. How are you? I'm Good very, to be back. Very well, thank you. Um, so today we're, we're trying to um, talk a little bit more about Industry 4.0 and really what the hell is it and how can RTLS systems and location-based services really benefit from it. So we can start by talking about what really is Industry 4.0 because we hear this term all the time and I feel like it's, it's flung around with a lot of other terms like uh, digital twin or digital transformation and things like that. But from your perspective, what, what would you say is, is the core of uh, Industry 4.0? So how much time do you have to talk about this? Can we I'll, stay on for two hours? We can stay on for two hours if you want. Yeah. <laughs> I don't let's, keep I, the, let's keep the listeners engaged. All right, right. okay. So we, we'll try to squeeze it within the time. But uh, now actually, uh, jokes aside, I mean, Industry 4.0, it's, uh, it's a very inflated term. Um, something that has been bounced back and forward for, I would say, even more than five years now. And, uh, and um it's um, it's a topic that, depending on who you ask, it could mean different things. But um, I can try to give you my interpretation of that uh, based on what I've seen from the market and what I've been discussing with customers across different verticals. You know, Industry 4.0, it, it refers to the fourth industrial revolution. That's where originally kind of the terminology came from. And if you think about it, the first industrial revolution, that was when... Uh, the, the people started to use steam in the, in the production lines, in the assembly line manufacturing. And that was what, beginning of 1900? Then the, the second big industrial revolution was uh, later on when uh, electricity uh, replaced the, the steam and the vapor and uh, the burning and everything that was polluting the environment a lot. Um, so that was the big thing, moving uh, to the electric engine. Then the Industry Revolution 3.0, um, it's, um, it could be described as when uh, internet came into place. So you didn't have to send any way anymore, uh, you know, a, a letter via snail mail or or give it to a horse <laughs> or a rider uh, or a pigeon or a pigeon <laughs> to kind of deliver it to the other side of town. But you could effectively do instant messaging with uh, uh, people across uh, the world to, to be able to communicate. And that uh, has reduced time to manufacturing, uh, sourcing, uh, delivery, and, uh, and effectively increase the productivity um, of, um, of, of the factory and the, the consumption, of course, of the market as well. Uh, so that has been a, a great one. And of course, with the introduction of Internet and some of the computers, um, what happened is that also some form of telemetry came into place. So now manufacturing machinery, they could be in some level automized so that you didn't have to do all the work manually or have someone overlooking the, the production continuously. Um, but now what uh, is leading us into the industry 4.0. It's something that uh, has been in discussion now for more than 10 years and originally started 
um, at least based on my understanding, when the topic of uh, IoT came into play. So IoT, like Internet of Things, so the fact that it's not just my computer that is now connected to the Internet or my desktop or, or well, my handset device, but it would literally be any object that is, is around. And I remember myself when first this term came around, yeah, again, 10, 12 years ago, I was, I was a little bit puzzled to really grasp what that meant in practice. And, uh, and, uh, and one of the things that, that to me was a little bit clarifying was, was to think about a refrigerator that would be connected to the internet, that would be able to tell me I'm running out of milk, or an oven that would notify me when the temperature that I set has been reached, or whether the cooking time has been now you know, reached and then food is ready. But if you stretch it even further, it really means that any device, even small electronic pieces that you can attach for monitoring uh, into object ad manufacturing could uh, carry a number of sensors like acceleration sensors, gyroscopes, temperature, humidity, and other things. And all the sensor information are locally measuring what is happening around their environment. And um, and expose all this information to the internet where there is, uh, for instance, a cloud service that is gathering all this information uh, from multiple sites, multiple floor, multiple production lines and making um, out of all this big data an aggregated and, and, and concise report that could be delivered to uh, different people. And if you think about um, an industry site or, or, or a manufacturing facility, there are so many stakeholders. There are the security managers, there is the production line manager, there is the supply line manager, there is the replenishment uh, responsibles. So everyone has a, has a different interest in different kind of reports and data. So Industry 4.0 kind of started from there with the, with the idea that, okay, now there is a, a complete new landscape of technology coming around that could give, give a manufacturer, uh, said it in the broad term, um, a manufacturer all kind of visual into what is happening on the floor. Um, an example that I, I, I always like is, is like predictive maintenance. So if you think about machinery like in heavy industry that are, um, you know, uh, steel coil manufacturing or any kind of heavy industry where you have this press machine that are cutting the sheets of metal and other, uh, you know, those machines are vibrating in a certain way. And those machines, ideally, they should run 24-7 because every time they kind of bang the metal, that's where you produce something. And ergo, you make some kind of income or revenue. So if you stop the machine, you stop the production line. So it means you're not making money. So that's uh, holistically is what you want to maximize is the uptime of the machine. So if you would have a sensor attached to the machine that can measure the vibration, because when the machine is kind of hammering the metal at the regular pace, the kind of vibration pattern is rather constant. But then if you can analyze that pattern and understand that uh, now the pattern is changing. For instance, uh, it's um, you know now vibrating in a slightly different way, or there is some some uh, um, unreasonable rumor into those data. It could mean that, for instance, the axle of the machine is not uh, round anymore, but it started to be offset. So the machine is, for instance, started vibrating more. So before it breaks down, because of, oh, effectively it will break down if it keeps on vibrating more and more, 
and to the to the limit the axle is going to break and it's going to damage other parts of the machine so if you can detect that defect before it breaks down that's predictive maintenance so you save a lot of money you save a lot of money because changing that part will take you maybe half hour instead of potentially a full day of work so and the same thing can be applied to any other kind of machine so this is just a simple example of what iot internet of things could do but then within this umbrella of 4.0 because 4.0 is really a, a, a platoon of, of different uh, technologies that comes together into creating what nowadays is referred to as the digital twin which means i have my physical environment but then I can create a full replica of that physical environment, where in this replica, I, I have the complete layout. So it's like a digitalized map. And then I know where the machinery are. I know where the different uh, production area zones are. And uh, I also know, uh, as like metadata on this map, uh, different uh, um, additional information that could be used for different services. For instance, if I could create zones that are associated workflow, then I could predict that, okay, now the, the, the parts has come into this area. Ergo, I know that a certain production should, should happen. And I know that this kind of assembly should take a nominal time. If it takes longer, alarm, because that means that something is slowing down the entire production. Or if I know that a part for B assembly needs to go through stage one, two, three, and suddenly I see it uh, skipping uh, zone one or area one and jumping on area two, because for instance, it was uh, erroneously brought into the, the area two before, you know, someone even tried to assemble it wrongly, you can kind of correct it on the spot and bring it back. Um, so there is, or another one is like, uh, uh, you, you can, as part of the digital twin, also track tools. Because when you go, especially in an assembly line, they are very specific tools that are used with, with different parts. And, and nowadays in an assembly line, um, you know, you don't have anymore the luxury to set up the assembly line for the same product that is going to run for the next month. Typically, you have... Uh, even think about the car um, assembly, the, the, the line, every car is like different from the next because there is customization on board. So we might need different tools. So what happens if suddenly the tool that is needed to assemble a specific part is missing? The whole production line stop. So effectively, Industry 4.0, it's, it's kind of a plateau of different technology upon which you can have different declination of, uh, uh, of uh, um, either technology, services, or, or enablers, uh, some of which are this digital twin, some are location technologies, some are communication technology, wireless communication technology, some are integration into ERP or, or very sophisticated cloud services. Okay. It was a long description, but I hope it kind you of You asked how sense. long we have, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, th I think that's really good. Um, if, if we, obviously this is the location technology podcast, so if we bring that back into location a little bit more, obviously you touched on it a little bit with also giving some other other um, 
examples of like sensor data and, and things like that. But um, what, how would you describe that Industry 4.0 uh, is for Coupa? So as an example, um, we work in a variety of different industries like in healthcare or sports and we appreciate that within those types of industries you have different types of environments. For example, if you take healthcare, you have um, uh, an emergency room where it's quite fast paced and you need to know where certain things are like defibrillators and crash carts and, and things like that versus aged care facilities where people move a little bit slower than they would do in, a, in an emergency room or sports arenas. And, and so we're, we're talking about different environments in, in that kind of context. So within Industry 4.0, what are those kind of core environments for Coupa uh, that, that we try to play in? Well, let me kind of turn it around. So instead of uh, looking at, uh, at how Coupa fits into this technology, let me first zoom out into why location is needed in the first place in this environment. And, uh, and, uh, and, and the reason why I want to take this approach is, is that it's also going to hopefully clarify one of the differences between the industry, for instance, 3.0 and 4.0. So in the, in, in the modern, and even at the beginning of the industry, uh, Internet of Things, Oftentimes, objects that were monitored, they were static objects. So the example I brought in before of monitoring a steel coin manufacturing production line and the, the cutter, uh, you know, typically those machines, they weigh, what, 20 tons, 30 tons? Yeah, I don't think they walk <laughs> around the building, at least not intentionally. So, um, so the, the, the result is that once you create a digital twin or a replica, digital replica, and you put, for instance, a sensor on that, you can be pretty sure that that sensor is not going to move and it's just a matter of data. So the, the, the problem, it becomes really how can I effectively collect data within the centralized points for data processing. But what is happening um, in, the, in the recent years is that uh, object that gets monitored they are not static anymore. They are not only static anymore. So there are a, a lot of uh, um, machinery that, for instance, are placed on uh, car um, on, on trolleys uh, or portable tables. Or, or they well, the example of the tools was definitely an object that moves around the facility. So the result is that um, just knowing what that tool is uh, experiencing in terms of uh, um, content, it's uh, just half of the problem. The, the other half is actually to know the context in which the data are recorded. So where is this object at the time of the recording? Near to what other tools or object is at the time of the recording? Because also if you can contextualize the content, you suddenly can create uh, kind of a higher level of reporting to also interact and interlink what you are extracting from the data from what, for instance, other machines are recording at the same time. So the introduction of the concept uh, uh, related to, in, or to positioning technology has become more and more relevant as items that want to be monitored started to walk. And, um, Originally, the, the, the fleet management, like track man delivery man uh, management via GPS location was the typical example where you want to know where the delivery track is. 
to optimize the routing, to optimize the time to deliver. Now, but the problem is that GPS doesn't work indoor. And most of the manufacturing is done indoor, is done in areas where um, GPS is not available. If it's available, the, the resolution is very poor. And uh, there's no manufacturing only, warehousing, logistics, and all the declination of industrial sites are falling into that. So there is really a need for technology that could provide the location of the items have a move around in area where GPS doesn't work. And that's practically where Coupa comes into the place. So Coupa is a technology provider for location information. So we can track and monitor the location of objects in real time as we move throughout the facility. And, um, and, uh, and, and we don't just stop there because those objects are not simply inside the facility all the time. I mean, once, for instance, a car is manufactured, it tends to be parked outdoor the facility after maybe quality inspection and so. So you also need to have the, the need to provide continuous tracking. And that's where Coupa works uh, with other partners for providing uh, kind of complementary technology integration or even our technology can be used both indoor and outdoor to provide this kind of seamless uh, uh, tracking. So the, the the result is that fr from our side, we 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 kind of fall into the picture of Industry 4.0 as a complementary technology to offer location information that can either be used as a standalone or in combination to other technology that provides location, and for sure in combination with technology that, for instance, do data gathering and and uh, digital twin mapping and uh, and uh, reporting and anything that uh, could practically form this picture of Industry 4.0. Does it make sense? Do you see why yeah. I wanted to kind of turn it around? Yeah, yeah, I understand, yeah. I, I, I think something that would be really uh, interesting for, for the listeners at least would be to talk about some of the use cases. Um, we, we will go through uh, specifically some, some use cases in a later podcast, but just to give an overview, because obviously it's, it's great to say the value proposition, which is that location can provide uh, a safer workplace or it can provide more efficient processes. But if we we dive into uh, just just a couple of them just to give them a little taste of, of what you can actually do so for example in warehousing or manufacturing or logistics um, operations you know what are the kind of things like uh, let's let's take collision avoidance as as one of the first ones because obviously if you can avoid collisions inevitably you provide a safer workplace I mean undoubtedly and uh, if you look at the statistics unfortunately there are a lot of accidents that are happening every year so definitely to provide a safer environment for people to work on, it would increase uh, productivity and, uh, and definitely uh, people will feel more, more, more taken care, more safe to work, to work in those facilities. So location technology could definitely be used for enabling such a use case where by knowing where workers are uh, and how they are moving around the facility, you can create rules, especially around blind spots in your facility, which typically, I mean, the, the facility manager knows already in advance where accident could happen, either because unfortunately it might have happened before or because close call <laughs> might have happened. So you can create rules that, you know, when two objects are coming to certain distance from each other around this dangerous spot, 
then there needs to be a certain alarm that is triggered. And the alarm can be different. It could even be, you know, there is a, a blind corner in a warehouse, and maybe in that blind corner you put, uh, for instance, a blinking light. So that if two objects are coming together, then suddenly the blinking lights start to blink to signal both the driver as well as the person that, uh, you know, something is behind the corner. Or the notification can be given via like like a wristband that for instance would vibrate or beep or it could be likewise for the for the driver um, there are also other use cases that are are impacting the, the productivity actually on the floor as well uh, especially if you think about the manufacturer what what they want to do is is typical to maximize throughput so to be able to ship out and to manufacture more and uh, what they don't want it's that people waste time wandering around the facility searching for items, searching for the right product to be shipped, searching for the right tool to be used in the assembly line, or searching for any raw material that should be used at the production line in order to start the, the manufacturing. So all those hours uh, that at the end of the day, once you sum them up, can easily result in weeks, if not months, every, uh, every year, then that are wasted, practically searching items and material, it's what should be minimized. And, and to be honest, it's not just good for the facility manager, the, the, the manufacturer, but it's also good for the workers, because I think that nobody likes to just wander around the facility searching for something that you cannot find. At least I hate it when I'm at home, I can't find my glasses. Mm -hmm. Or I'm at home, I can't <laughs> find my phone. I mean, I hate to move around and where is it? Where you is it? You put a little microchip in your glasses <laughs> and then you can track track. Well, that, that, that actually, it, it's definitely an idea. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but in manufacturing, that's what you can do to try to alleviate and make the work more bearable. I mean, here, obviously, I came a little bit prepared. So I've got I have a list of things here. And, and just to, again, give the listeners uh, an idea. So uh, as Fabio was saying just now, like optimizing routes uh, for, you know, so you don't actually have to spend time looking for the assets, you can track the assets and the inventory, the inventory can be uh, run quicker and more automated in terms of like, understanding how much product you actually have there, you can ditch these paper orders, you can find uh, bottlenecks and resolve them before they they become you know too too much of a problem and you can also ensure you know that the um, service level agreements of subcontractors are being met and and things like that so definitely a, a whole host of things that would make your um, business more more efficient but also uh, and and this is probably the last point that I'll bring up but it can actually provide a more profitable business because you would save exactly the example that you gave earlier, saving on maintenance costs. So if you have predictive maintenance, so that could be um, one way that you can save costs. You can cut labor costs in certain areas, waste less and actually be able to produce more, uh, reduce the downtime of certain equipment or things that... Can I give um, you an example of that? Yeah, sure. I mean, th that, that's something that struck me uh, some years ago when I heard uh, the use case the first time. I was talking to a facility uh, owner. It was a large logistic hub. And, uh, you know, one of those massive ones that you might see on the side of the highway when you drive in the suburb of a large city. And, uh, and then the person was saying, you know, my facility, it's like a few hundred thousand square meters. So it's massive. Yeah. And uh, I have uh, about 80 forklifts that are moving around the facility, picking up 
object every single day. And I need to do maintenance of those. And uh, of course, I have a scheduled maintenance so that uh, I know that, you know, on this day, I need to serve that machine. The, the, the biggest problem they have is, is to actually find the machine. Because uh, the, 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 the repairing guy comes into the facility. And of course, the forklift are all around because that's what I want, that they move. Because if they move a pickup material, this is shipped out. But now the guy needs to chase the forklift and to find the right one. And from the distance, they tend to look pretty much the same. So you actually end up spending a lot of hours just finding the right machine. And, uh, and, and this person was saying that he doesn't really keep record about who is jumping on which forklift in the morning. So he cannot even call the driver and say, hey, bring the forklift here. So he practically needs to, and he would like uh, to rely on a service that in, in real time will say, okay, the machine are running around and the one he needs to maintain is currently section, I don't know, K14. So just go there and pick it up. And plus, you know, when you do static maintenance schedule, you are not keeping into account the mileage that this machine are running. And of course, you try to do an average so that you know that in a month they, they will do a certain amount of kilometers or miles and ergo, you need to change the tires. But, uh, but in the reality, some machine are used you know, more than others. So, for instance, the tires are wearing off faster than other machines. So the result is that even optimizing maintenance so that you change the tire on machines that wear more quickly than others that actually could retain and keep their tires for longer, it's, it's actually a way to optimize repair. So as you can see, there is a, a lot of dynamicity, uh, dynamic factors which are not just related to having things mobile within the environment, but really on how you schedule maintenance. Yeah, I see. Well, I, th I think that's a really good uh, brief overview. And like I said, we, we're going to have a few podcasts about this uh, and we'll talk a little bit more again about the, I, mean, I know we touched on it a bit now, but that, that more profitable business, that ROI and, and what kind of returns on investment have our current customers and our current partners actually seen within their manufacturing facilities. So definitely stay tuned for, for more episodes around this topic. But Thank you, Fabio, for your time today. And um, I guess I'll see you on the next one. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, everybody. Take care. Bye.